You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. Now, we're focusing on our wellness and well-being this afternoon, and we'll be talking about postpartum health and recovery. And joining us this afternoon, I'm delighted to be chatting with physiotherapist Emily Wong from Joint Dynamics. Welcome to the program, and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Hi, thanks for having me on. We're also live this afternoon on Facebook, so I'd love for our listeners uh, to join us there to comment and feel free to weigh in. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the Facebook page. Um, so, Emily, let, let's get started. Um, I suppose as beautiful as as childgiving uh, can be for some, I think it's safe to say that it can be quite um, traumatic for the body yeah. um, and especially after childbirth our ligaments and our muscles feel a bit sort of loose um, can you talk us through some of the changes or some of the trauma um, that our body goes through and what is postpartum physiotherapy yeah absolutely so I guess when we're talking about trauma we can think of it in two ways there's the physical side and also the mental side um, I guess the most obvious change is that we have a growing fetus in our body and basically our uterus ends up becoming something that is really largely contained in just the pelvis into coming into the abdominal cavity. So you can imagine um, there's going to be quite a lot of pressure on some of the structures, particularly, of course, as a pelvic health physiotherapist, a lot of strain on the ligaments um, and supporting muscles that help support our pelvic floor, um, especially going into sort of that second and third trimester, the higher the uterus comes, it can kind of press up against a woman's rib cage and affect their breathing. Um, along with that, uh, there's lots of hormonal changes. So particularly with a lot of the progesterone, it can really um, affect a female's mood, their energy, their shortness of breath. Um, you know, these are not every woman experiencing all these symptoms, but these are kind of the common things that we see and things that often pop up that I see within women during that prenatal period are things like leaking when they cough and sneeze. So they may never have experienced it before, but suddenly there is something that is pressing up on their bladder and it is harder for those structures, the pelvic floor area to help support that. So we do see these women and try and manage that and minimize that as much as possible, because even though it is very common, it's not normal in this population. Um, other issues we see are actually a lot of pelvic girdle pain. So groin pain, pubic symphysis pain, hip pain, lower back pain. And again, I think um, commonly back in the day, women used to just sort of put up with it and think, oh, it's, you know, just a part of being pregnant, but actually there's lots we can do now to really make things as comfortable as possible. Um, and then kind of thinking about sort of that, I guess, after giving birth, I do see a lot of women, you know, perhaps sometimes their birth plan didn't end up the way that they intended it to be. So, you know, the common injuries that we see are perineal tearing. So that's sort of tearing in through the tissues between the vagina and the anus. Um, and sometimes those scars can be really quite painful in that early postnatal period. And um, people become very fearful of sitting. It's really tender. And then at the same time, they're not sleeping. They're looking after a baby that's crying all the time. Um, and also if perhaps some women had the idea of intentionally going in for a vaginal birth, they may end up with a cesarean. And sometimes those emergency C-sections can be quite traumatic both for the female and both physically and mentally as well. Um, so we take a lot of care in our sort of postnatal 
assessments during there to be really gentle with these people and um, we do assess it and things like that but we kind of have in the back of the mind that perhaps this wasn't um, as smooth as they had liked it to be there may be some associated emotions connected to it um, and yeah I guess those are the, the main ones that we see. I think you made such a good point about sort of that, um, the mental and, and, and the physical. Uh, I think there's often people have an expectation or, or imagine what the childbirth would be like. And when it doesn't go according to the plan, it can be quite disappointing, especially if you aim for a, a, a natural birth and then end up with an emergency C-section, which, by the way, I have to say, you know, is, is, a, is a surgery. And to be honest, I think sometimes it's even more traumatic than a natural birth because there's that not... Yeah. You're not expecting it and suddenly you have to go through that surgery um yeah how might that actually delay uh the postpartum physiotherapy um because can you start exercising or moving straight away after a say a c-section yeah actually absolutely um of course it really depends on the mother and how they're feeling Um, and how fit they were probably previously yeah exactly and kind of what kind of things they were doing before but also sort of their own expectations and their readiness to get back into exercise um and how much support they have at home so from a i guess a pure physical point of view absolutely they can start getting back to into moving quite early after that sort of six week period in fact i've got some moms that start doing sort of like gentle ab work and gentle squatting sort of in that four week period beforehand nothing heavy but just to get the body moving yeah but of course it, it really depends on the mum and how much sleep they're getting and if they really feel physically fit because you know some moms in hong kong or well, a lot of moms in hong kong actually are very very fit and a lot of the time I'm trying to get them to like pull back a little bit. So at least I give them Slow down. the option. Yeah, exactly. So I'm trying to, you know, I need to respect that. And like, absolutely. Like if you're carrying a baby a million times a day already, and especially if you're having like, this is your second or your third child, you're already lifting a toddler that probably weighs like 10, 12 kilos so you doing some body weight squats here and there and some abdominal exercises really is body gonna... combat as well with the toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. So it's actually not that much more, you know, certainly we do put restrictions on like impact. So like running, jumping, that sort of thing. We certainly try and um, ask women to wait until 12 week, 12 weeks on average, just to kind of respect the healing process. Um, but yeah, we often get them in fairly early and we'll look at sort of, a whole range of stuff if they have had a c-section we look at what that mobility is like sometimes the tummy can be quite tight it can be quite tender they may have some reservations about you know kind of touching anything in that area not always um so we want to try and like get them to familiarize themselves with that area and be teach them you know you can do loads of stuff like pelvic tilts and pelvic floor exercises gentle ab stuff and that's not gonna you know affect anything or injure anything at all yeah. yeah. Well, we often hear about these sort of terms, pelvic tilts and, and sort of pelvic floor exercises. Can you talk us through some of them and, and how can we be uh, doing it? And does it does it have to be at the postpartum period? Should we all be practicing it normally? Yeah, um, absolutely. Everyone should be doing it. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions is the only women that have had babies have pelvic floor issues. Um, 100% no, there are actually anyone in any period of their time, especially high impact athletes, um, can really can suffer from pelvic floor dysfunction. So 
these women really should be maintaining it. It's kind of like brushing your teeth or the way that we, you know, strengthen our arms or, you know, I guess in the women, they love growing their booty and keeping that nice and toned and that sort of thing. The pelvic floor muscles are just like any other muscle in the body. We want to maintain that. And because it sits on the bottom of our pelvis and attaches to our pelvis and our hips and things like that, um, it plays a really important role in our core and we all want to strengthen our core, right? But we only think about the muscles at the front, like the six-pack abs, you know, the really visually attractive attractive ones. Um, but the pelvic floor is also is super, super functional. So when we look at women with pelvic floor dysfunction, we're looking at the whole picture. It's not just the pelvic floor itself. Um, I guess traditionally people use like Kegels is a really common um, name for pelvic floor exercises. So the difference between that and pelvic floor muscle training Kegels really just describes um, squeezes. So just a squeeze, hold for maybe, I don't really know what the average is. I think when I read it's like three or five seconds, do that 10 times a day. Um, but actually pelvic floor issues may not necessarily mean that you're weak in the pelvic floor. So actually some conditions like um, urinary leakage, urgency or chronic constipation or sexual pain, uh, overactive bladder, that can be related to having a pelvic floor that is perhaps too tight. And actually, we need to teach women how to downtrain these muscles. To relax it even. Yeah. Oh, wow. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we need to teach them how to relax it. And then from there, if they need to from there, quite often sometimes once we've got them to relax them, their pelvic floor functions better already. Because it's like if you've got like a bicep curl, you kind of curl from here. You don't really have much more room to go. As opposed to if you've got it all fully stretched out, you've got much more fuller range to contract, right? Exactly. So it allows the pelvic floor to function better and more reactive in that way. Um, and some women, like, for example, I had one that had, came in to see me for leaking with running and she was postnatal, but she was um, straight away, uh, sort of early postnatal, she had no issues. And then suddenly after about six months, she started noticing some leaking and we had a look at some testing and things like that. And yes, there was some pelvic floor strength issues there and one side wasn't contracting quite as strong as the other one um but actually the biggest thing was that her timing of the pelvic floor wasn't great so even though on i could tell her to squeeze it but actually when she did things like cough and i got her to do like a squat and like a deadlift the pelvic floor wasn't contracting automatically so actually with her we had to work on more of the timing of things kind of like driving a car like in the beginning we got her to like contract before you you know lift and squat and lunge and then eventually it'll become really automatic that's the idea and we also kind of looked at um that in conjunction to her hip control so straight away she was getting some sort of vulnerability with like um jump squats and straight away, if I just corrected her knee control, because her knees were kind of like coming in rather than staying nice and over her second toe, um, that reduced her symptoms quite dramatically as well. So it, again, it's kind of looking at the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of... Yeah. And it's so it's so helpful because it can be really embarrassing. And we're not talking about full on incontinence, but just, you know, the the, the old sneeze wee or like, yeah. you know, sometimes when, when people laugh after a few children, it can just sort of and, you know, there's no control over it. So if we don't practice and, and, and tighten the pelvic floor muscles, uh, will that sort of develop into um, into, say, incontinence? Yeah, um depends so we do know that women that have had well women that are high, a higher risk in the sort of women in the group that haven't had children before are those that 
do high impact exercise. So lots of jumping, um, cheerleading, trampolining, netballers, even that kind of thing. And then of course, um, we do know having a, had a child puts you at much greater risk of having pelvic floor dysfunction in the future. Um, some, a lot of women actually experience some leaking during their pregnancy and maybe sort of in the early postnatal period and then it kind of eventually goes away and so they don't really think about doing pelvic floor but actually what I commonly see is then when by the time women are in their sort of 40s 50s 60s then all of a sudden their leaking is quite a lot worse because we're also dealing with some possibly some post obstetric injury and then the combination of some aging changes in throughout muscles and and joints and things like that so it's really about trying to maintain you know as we know like pelvic floor issues are such a massive barrier to exercise and like you said not enough people talk about it and in fact it's so normalized in a lot of groups like a lot of moms I know I hear all the time that like oh it's normal don't go on the trampoline well I don't know in Hong Kong how many people have trampolines but in Australia <laughs> everybody has a trampoline in the garden out. yeah yeah exactly right and so it's quite normal for moms to just sit out and because it's a whole bunch of them sitting out because they don't want to jump on there it's kind of normalized but actually, we shouldn't really deal with that. You know, why not? We shouldn't prevent ourselves to be able to interact with our children, even if you're not wanting to do exercise, although everyone should. Um, so it's about really trying to empower women to do whatever they can to help them stay active for as long as possible, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a golden period for people to start um, exercising or doing some uh, physiotherapy after childbirth? Because um, I suppose it's... a uh, I don't know if it's a culture thing, uh, but say, for example, um, I'm half Chinese, for example. So my the, the Chinese side of the family would be like, oh, you should rest, you know, don't yeah. exercise, don't, don't squat, <laughs> you know, that, that sort yeah. of thing. Don't um, raise your arms up above your head, <laughs> one I heard. Don't blink. I don't no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, so um, so that there is that sort of uh, a lot of uh, information or misinformation out yeah. there. Can you sort of clear that up for us? Yeah, so... Basically, as soon as you're pregnant, I recommend women to start doing some baseline pelvic floor strengthening. Obviously, I screen them from any other dysfunction that might indicate perhaps the strengthening may not be optimal for them. Um, But if they're asymptomatic, have no history of anything, then some general pelvic floor strengthening. And I kind of give them guidelines, sort of um, the very basic guidelines. Again, this is not suitable for everyone, but three times a day, squeeze and hold for eight to 10 seconds, 10 times rest a couple minutes and then do eight to 10 fast ones. So then you're kind of getting your long endurance fibers and also your quicker fibers. So maintaining your pelvic floor tone during pregnancy actually helps with the baby doing its cardinal movements and turning as it exits the pelvis. Then, sorry, I'm going off traffic, but anyways, I just want to kind of clear this up because a lot of people think they need a strong pelvic floor to give birth, but actually towards later in the period, we're really working on that lengthening and relaxation so that when they are pushing, if they are choosing to have a vaginal birth, they actually know how to completely relax the pelvic floor because quite a lot of women, when I get them to try and bear down, they actually squeeze and you can imagine how that can really not be productive. um, Counterproductive if if you're trying to push it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I guess in that postnatal period, I tell women you can start some gentle squeezes. So if you had a vaginal birth, as soon as you've had your first wee, 
or if you've had a catheter inserted, once a catheter has been removed, you can start some gentle squeezes. Um, and, you know, the area down there may feel a little bit swollen and maybe kind of, you know, different and the sensation might be changes, but that's totally fine. That's great because you've already been doing some pelvic floor beforehand. So you're not trying to figure out how to do pelvic floor postnatally when things just feel a little bit different perhaps in that early couple of weeks um, and then kind of building up from there so the earlier the better really absolutely the way i imagine it is sort of like there's a there's like a it's like an elevator door a horizontal yeah. one if you like and i sort of imagine it closing very slowly and then opening very slowly again that's how i sort of imagine whenever i'm i'm yeah. doing sort of my pelvic floor muscles I, I don't know if that's i think visualizing something in your mind helps you uh, uh, uh do it if you're waiting for the bus or i don't know if you're um sitting down or standing up or yeah yeah timing it with something that you know you do routinely is really great and helpful to try and remember to do them because they're not well they can be difficult but they're not you know exhausting in that way it's just really difficult to remember them so trying to time it with yeah exactly waiting in line when you're waiting for your microwave to heat up the baby's milk waiting for the mtr you know that kind of thing um and yeah visualizations are really funny He's, honestly with, so when I teach pelvic floor to women, I, I can visually, you know, see what's happening in the pelvic floor. So I can tell them if they're doing it correctly or not. And I basically go through quite a few. I've got a few that I pre personally prefer, but most women kind of respond to different cues. But like the classic one is the elevator, but also the elevator is lifting from ground floor to maybe first or second floor. So you want that squeeze and lifting cue as well. Um, a really good one that they found through research that they found worked for most women was imagining yourself from passing wind. Um, yep. Or That's brilliant. Um, You'll always remember that one. <laughs> everyone knows how to do that, right? Yeah. Um, sucking smoothie through a straw, um, gently lifting a blueberry into your vagina, but don't squeeze too firmly because you don't want to make blueberry juice. That's yep. such a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, sucking silk scarves in there, like whatever works really. Everyone, you know, responds differently. And I think, and finally, um, Emily, before I let you go, is, you know, for, for, for ladies and for partners to reach out when, you know, when, when you need help. I think a lot of times people don't talk about it enough. Sure, mum, mums discuss it in like mum groups and stuff, but actually, mm. you know, it's sore. It can be very yeah. sore afterwards. Um, yeah. I certainly remember when, when I had massive pain, uh, for, on my pubic bone. And it's really, you know, it's simple things like getting out of a taxi, for example, widening the legs, stepping into something and and yeah. not that I step on one one leg but I, I you know uh, to, to save time I wear trousers and I put on my trousers I put one leg on first and the other leg first and I'm like I should really be sitting down for this just little things that you know we, we just all the difference. exactly absolutely yeah definitely um yeah and it's those little changes that it's like I mean it's like why did you need to deal with that pain you know there's so many things that you could have I'm sorry, not blaming you, but like there's so many things that women can, sorry, but can do to, to make that a little bit more comfortable. But just like all the time I hear like, oh, I've been dealing with this pain for months. I just only now found out that I can actually do something about it. Um, so, yeah, it's like why, you know, women, we are the ones that have the reproductive health and we do have the babies, but it doesn't mean we need to suffer. Absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah. And these days, you know, I think in Hong Kong as well, it is, I've only been here for a couple of years now coming from Australia, but I've certainly seen 
more and more people coming in and more and more of that local community coming in and starting to learn this area. It is certainly, like you said, a bit more of a taboo subject, um, but hopefully with the time it will get better and better. Um, but yeah, I do still find myself trying to convince women that it's okay to exercise and do squats and you know, get a bit out of breath and all those sorts of things. <laughs> we should have a segment, squats and whatnot, to empowering yeah. women. <laughs> you know, it's important. That's why we're talking about it on public radio and, and women yeah. should not be suffering in silence and, you know, no. you know, childbearing is painful enough. The The aftermath yeah. uh, should be... And really I encourage everyone to talk about it more. Talk about your aches and pains. Talk about, you know, again, I get just to get onto the topic of taboo subjects, sexual pain so common so common in that early postnatal period you know but people don't talk about it yeah. and there's lots of things we can give advice um whether it be just a lubrication issue because of hormonal changes or it could be some pelvic tension lots of different things that we can do um to help with that but again people just kind of deal with it Absolutely. and it's just so sad exactly yeah. we should definitely do a topic on that bring on the lubrication let's yeah. <laughs> let's, let's let's book you in again emily uh, meanwhile uh, remind our listeners once again how can we find out more about you and your work have you got a website we can go to yes or, or we have a website yeah yeah so our instagram is we do have a website coming um very soon but otherwise you can find us on instagram at joint dynamics evolve my name is emily wong um and basically i work within a multidisciplinary women's health team so we've also got personal trainers a nutritionist a psychologist an exercise physiologist and a sports therapist so we all work together to yeah to help women feel better. Exactly. Well said. Well, Emily, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. That's Emily Wong, a physiotherapist from Joint Dynamics. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you so much.